0: right welcome everyone back to the Miss Art World podcast. I'm Catherine and I have my lovely co-host with me Samuel Cooksey with Samuel Cooksey Project.
1: What up Uh, everybody?
0: So when's
1: this airing because (laughs) is this airing before the podcast we just did with Chuck?
0: Uh, Well I was going to and then I realized in that podcast I said that he was the first podcast of 2021 which he is because we're doing this one right after his but i was going to put this one up first
1: okay so this one is second then
0: second yeah you have
1: to put it up second it's (laughs) got to be second in 2021 um the reason why i ask is because i'm normally i'm trying to come up with some fun way to say hi and i don't know why i said howdy (laughs) howdy 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 (laughs) howdy Like, I, I just felt like I summoned my Woody from Toy Story. and
0: Howdy, y'all. Yeah. We were talking about art. Yeah, you gotta think of a cool entrance in, into greeting people.
1: I guess it might be Howdy. Might no be. one bad an eye, and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> Where did <laughs> Howdy come from? I've never said it in my life.
0: Why did you say it now? I don't know. <laughs>
1: So (laughs) what are we talking about, Katie?
0: So uh, this podcast is specifically to talk about you because we had one of our listeners request. uh, She was complaining that we just kind of plopped you in without saying like who you were and what art you like and doing like an intro podcast episode for you. Now we did have you in, on the podcast in September, but not as, hey, this is our new co-host. So mm-hmm. she wanted me to ask you art questions and kind of introduce you and discuss why you're the new co-host.
1: Does she watch the Zoom or does she just listen to this?
0: Uh, I think she just listens.
1: Okay, so just so she knows I'm incredibly tall dark and handsome
0: you know it's Evelyn right so she knows who you are (laughs) she
1: sure knows what I look like
0: (laughs) this is Evelyn's request she's always very timid about giving me criticisms or like suggestions on the podcast like no please do please let me know like hey you should think about this or because that's that's how we get to know what listeners might want she listens to every episode anyways so let's talk about you Samuel uh samuel you're my brother so yep. you grew <laughs> grew up with our father who uh i consider as the person that introduced us to art do you, well it's like your first memory or do you have a memory of art when you think of your childhood
1: you, you know what the first memory i think of art because dad always encouraged us to do art um but one one thing i remember him doing all the time was being put to work with mom's plays and doing the backdrops for those and he would have these huge canvases that he would paint these really interesting backdrops on or he would just take plywood and do like camels and do like all these weird crazy pieces just for sixth graders to get up and act so the best part of the whole play was the backdrops (laughs) because all these sixth graders are just like you know sixth graders they're not actors at all so i think that's like one of my very first things being introduced to art uh with the dad doing art um perry Cooksey, he does art very quickly so i think i am a little skewed when I hear some artists take like three months to do a piece or four months, um, because when he sits down and does it, he can he knocks out a piece within like two days, three days. And that it seems very, you know, I thought that's how fast art normally went. It goes, but it takes a lot longer because like I, I'm super into like um, like modern abstract art right now. Uh, Because it's either really interesting, cool looking, or it looks like shit. (laughs) It's just awful. And you're like, who would ever buy this? And um, one thing I like about it, too, is that I'm kind of going on a tangent, is that the like abstract modern art is something that you can never do, or something that's interesting in a very doable way. Like we went to this one piece, I, I like to take pictures of them, but it's just a person that did dots in a circle. And it's just the same dot and it's this huge piece. And I looked at it and I was like, I could do this.
0: Did you think that that piece was interesting but simple or?
1: Interesting but simple.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because um, I'm, I'm going to do a small piece like that But instead of having, I just got to get more paint, but instead of having it just be all one color, because there's like a blue background with the dots that made the circle all the same color. And I think it'd be interesting to do a pattern that went went around.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people have the whole, with modern or conceptual art, they'll say, well, I could have done that and you, could have done it, but you didn't. Like you weren't the first person with that idea. Mm -hmm. And with conceptual art, the idea is what is valued.
1: Yeah. And um, I also like it when there's like vibrant colors. And I think a lot of like, especially newer art has the ability to do like really interesting, like bright pinks and blues that make a picture like pop. But at the same time, um it doesn't have like those darker you know how like uh like victorian art is kind of darker Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's just they didn't have those like unique abilities to make those colors
0: to really make the pigments um a lot brighter Mm -hmm. um one thing uh that i think of that i have a skewed view because of dad in our childhood (laughs) is I think I just got used to having art around us and incorporated into things all the time. So I'm thinking of like our science fair boards Mm -hmm. and how dad would help us and they would always be this elaborate science fair board. And you look around and no other kid had this like art piece science fair board, but we did and it was just normal. And even our rooms growing up were elaborate designs or paintings murals that dad would do um when you were growing up he did that whole space scene with the astronaut floating over um the earth Mm -hmm. and that's just like was normal for us
1: oh yeah so uh, yeah and I think you always talk about like me doing art and I don't consider any of the art or stuff that I've I do as art, just kind of like a creative outlet um, because I think more of my art would be storytelling than the actual pieces, even though, you know, writing as like you doing art and you have the issues with your eyes if you uh, definitely do a bunch of art still. I had that issue with dyslexia, but I'm still attracted to doing that is... Is that a weird concept that you and I both have these weird things that keep us from doing what we like, but we still try to do it? Yeah, it it's easier for me good. just to be an artist. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I I wonder what it is about our personalities that's like, yeah, this is going to be the hardest thing I could possibly do. I'm going to pick that. I'm going to yeah, I'm,
1: I'm going to do it.
0: <laughs> Why do you think that the pieces that you've made aren't art and just creative outlets the art pieces because I think a lot of people are like you where they make things but they don't consider themselves an artist or that that's an art piece whereas the piece that you did that I'm thinking about with this is not art written into it to me is a very interesting art art piece I would consider that art
1: Um, You know why I think? Because I don't consider myself an artist. Okay. And I think that's the the big dividing factor, is if I considered myself an artist and wanted to, like, took pride in that, I think then I would consider, like, that piece art, my little doodles that I do art, um, like, other pieces that I did, as a a younger child art, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't, because I think looking at other people do art, it's gotta be, and I just keep using the word art, uh, it's gotta be something that someone has honed their skill with and has spent a lot of time, even if it doesn't ever look great, to the the viewer or the person that's looking at it, even if they don't like it, if you've taken a large chunk of time to hone that craft, even if the other people don't like it, that's still art because you've spent ten thousand hours building it. Mm-hmm. And with the stuff I've done, I've taken less than a thousand hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's more of it. That's why I think it's more of a hobby than it actually being art.
0: Okay. What do you think about, um, there's a whole trend where people really think or they enjoy children's art as a fine art form. Do you think because children haven't put in those hours and they haven't made themselves the expert, that they're not actual artists or art pieces but more just expressions of
1: being a child exactly i I definitely think it's just expressions of being a child art's a a way uh, art's always an outlet to -hmm. express oneself and it's a good way to express yourself um but it's not art art has to be a honed skill and the person has to believe it's art so if the child at age six, believes it's art, then to the group that he, the child's presenting to, that is art. But in 10 years, 15 years, is that child still proud of that piece? I'm going to say no, because they're either a doctor or homeless. Those are the only two options.
0: <laughs> I don't know. The portrait of my uh, known net Katie, um, I'm still very proud of.
1: And that's because you're an artist. Oh, you consider that's what I'm saying. You consider yourself if you, ten years down the line, still consider yourself an artist, then that piece that you did is art,
0: mm-hmm. because,
1: because it shows it shows the life. journey of your art career.
0: That's interesting. So you said earlier that your artwork is your writing. Yes. And you've written uh, Haley and the Berserker King. And you're almost done with the second volume? Um,
1: Part one is part one. So how I'm trying to do my art right now is different from the first time I did it. So and I I need to start working back on it. I started a little bit yesterday. It was the first time. But um, the editing part is just so tedious and so takes so much time. So I'm I had Haley and the Berserk King published it and then went to go do the audio book. And was like, my writing has changed a lot and I don't like the way this is written. It can be a lot better. So then I went back and basically redid it and took a good chunk, a good like 150 pages out. And then um, added that information in throughout the book and then change people's dialogue a little bit because um, I realized people kind of all sounded the same. There's a couple really distinct characters, but then the dialogue or the way they would talk to each other was very similar to just the way I talk. So I needed to really get into the head of the individual. And um, what I think happened was I planned out the whole timeline And I was trying to force all the pieces to fit in the timeline without having the uh, characters go on their own journey to the end. Okay. So now, like, um, I'm writing a new one. Uh, The two main characters are Tristan and Isolde. I had Ashley. That one's actually closer to being done than the second book of Haley and the Berserker King, because it's a, a lot shorter uh, novel, but that one is basically <clears throat> about two siblings who are homeless and living in their old burned down house. And you don't really know much about their lives because they were really young when their parents died uh, in the fire. And it's they get separated, but they're always trying to either get back to each other, or protect each other in these different ways. And it's about how um, the whole the whole premise of the story is about how fear dictates a lot of what we do. Good or bad, fear kind of controls the two children. That's, without go, getting into the entire story, but that's kind of like the idea behind okay.
0: it. And it's called Tristan and Izole?
1: Um, The working title right now is called... Um, isold and the sword of fear
0: okay because tristan and Isolde is a love story right like a tristan and tr- old is
1: a love story okay and it is still a love story that's mm-hmm. why um because i had it was a kind of a writing exercise i was trying to do <clears throat> and i had just ashley picked the two names and she picked that and that's well i didn't want to do like a traditional love story but the love between siblings is still love and that's why uh, I went with that kind of theme where it's not just two people or two people falling in love it's people that were born and still have that you know sibling love or the family love.
0: I think that's interesting because uh, your sibling relationship is so unique than any other relationship that you have with anybody else because it's not romantic but you have such a strong bond with them that is really held together because of your family ties like it can never be i'm thinking of um what's that show dexter mm-hmm. uh, on netflix where they're like siblings and spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the rest of the show but you and I have talked about it where it's weird because they're such established as like brother and sister even though they're not related and then at the end of the series it becomes romantic and
1: for no me, reason
0: yeah <laughs> like, for no reason but that's with siblings that line is never crossed unless it's weird game of thrones but you never that's you know you can have a, a friend that's a man friend and he can have romantic feelings for you. But for me with my brother, like he's always my brother. That's my relationship with a male that can never ever be romantic. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting cause it's unique.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Um, it's like, um, I, I think what makes siblings um, have a strong tie to each other. And you talk to people and they're like, ah, I'm not close to my siblings and whatnot that you should be because the that person has grown up experiencing the exact same thing you experienced maybe in a different way or in a different uh experience a little different but they had the exact same events that shaped your life shaping their life as well Mm -hmm. even if they weren't the main person um being influenced by it so like you're uh, an athlete, and you're winning a whole bunch, your sibling is seeing that, and it's still affecting their lives of you being an athlete. And um, <clears throat> they might also be gifted and be a, be an athlete and have like the same kind of path, or, you know, they might not be. And then it's you're, you're watching them either succeed or not succeed, either par- probably down the same path, because a lot of times, siblings kind of feed off of each other, um, with what their interests are, what they like and, and things like that. Cause you try to emulate, try to fit into your core group that you're with. So, uh, <clears throat> some people it's, you know, your core group is friends and you have that same close connection to your friends your whole life. But, uh, some people uh, with a lot of people, especially in the United States, you have friends for a little bit and then your friends kind of, you know, fade away or disappear. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you have a friend that you know, and you still consider a good friend from childhood to adulthood.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your siblings are, will be your longest relationship Mm -hmm. in your whole life because your parents will eventually pass away, but your sibling will know you from birth to the end of your life, hopefully. So, mm-hmm. or theirs. Yeah, or theirs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what if someone wants to um, go read your book? Where would they go?
1: They can go to Amazon. I, it's for some reason Amazon's really hard to uh, manipulate on the phone, and we always mm-hmm. use stuff on the phone, but it's very hard to buy the book through your phone. But if you go on the computer, you can always buy it. And I think what was happening was um, when I first made it as a paperback, it was ginormous, because I didn't realize. It was
0: my math. size.
1: Yeah, it was, it was textbook <laughs> <My> size.
0: size.
1: <laughs> and uh, then I was like, oh man, I made this textbook size. So then I had to go back in. But once you make the book, it stuck to that size. So then you have to take it down and re put it up. But I didn't want to take down the ebook and re put it up on the other side. So then I left the ebook up. It's just a mess. I should really just take everything down. And when the new remastered version comes out, just republish everything, take everything down, and just go, okay, here's the ebook and the master book. They're together.
0: Cause I feel like with your story and background, and how you're talking about getting into the different characters and you've taken the classes on it's not acting classes but they're the improv classes yeah do you see a connection between the improv and storytelling or your books
1: yes I think that's one of the reasons I was kind of drawn to doing improv and I kind of wish, you know, if the pandemic wasn't happening, I would have signed up for more improv classes because it is winter. Um, That's when I normally do like those kind of fun classes. But, you know, starting off with our family and being mimes and doing performances, um, but we never talked. (laughs) So I think uh, because we never talked, we are drawn to doing performances and skits and things like that. But at the same time, you have this weird uh, being nervous to actually speak in front of someone as acting. And the improv just kind of helped me do that. I also joined improv because I wanted to become better with uh, going into business meetings
0: Mm.
1: and being able to, because for what I was finding out, if it deviated from the path that I was planning for, it was hard for me to kind of like bring it back or uh, change gears, and it was nice because improv's all about yes and. So if someone brings up a new topic, you don't go, Yo, oh, okay, hold on, nope, let's do this, and then we'll get back. It's okay, yes, heard you, and let's elaborate on your question or let's answer your question. If we can't answer your question, let's figure out how to answer your question.
0: Because I see, I I feel like from your improv classes, you've developed different characters. And I feel like that would help when you're getting into the mindset of your characters in your book and figuring out how they would do their dialogue.
1: Yes, um, I agree. I think that's what, why reading it um, again, I went, oh, okay some of these characters aren't they're just kind of mere images they might look different but the characters dialogue hasn't changed Mm -hmm. Um, and I like characters like the characters that really stand out in any of my like short stories and um, writings is characters that are uniquely different or over the top when they're over the top it seems easier because in improv things are over the top, anyways, and our my being, things things were over the top, so you can get into that kind of over the top mindset. But when a character is more subtle, it's it was it has been harder for me to write more subtle characters with subtle character differences.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have um, authors that are? part of your inspiration and that you've taken things from, and like, who yep. are you?
1: So, um, one person that I really love his style of writing and his <clears throat> his craft is Brandon Sanderson. So, um, Brandon Sanderson, the way he writes is very, it's very modern. So when you go and read older sci-fi or older fantasy, uh, it tends to, it's the first, basically. And they, they, it's very interesting. So at the time when you're, re- you got to kind of put yourself in that mindset. At the time when you're reading it, this is very creative. But now you've read so many and seen so many things on TV. It, the creativeness, you forget, and you're just reading it as a story. And it kind of moves slow, moves really slow because they have to explain what space travel is because no one has explained space travel before what they think it does to you and they moves the pace of it is so slow that if you're listening to it half the time you kind of zone out and then you come back and you're like did I miss anything nope okay cool we're still trudging along this path
0: mm-hmm. do you have a favorite book
1: um, from his, uh, I do. I got started with his books because I was reading The Wheel of Time, um, and I'm blanking on that author's name, Robert, someone. Um, but I was reading The Wheel of Time, and that is just this long series. And that author got inspired of reading Lord, Lord of the Rings and went, nah, the the hobbit would never go like yeah i'm on for adventure let's go let's go wizard my people don't like adventures but i do and he he says it should have been a fight or a struggle where this outside force comes and tries to drag you away and you don't want to go with what your destiny or your destiny is to do and that's what it is like this wizard comes same thing to this town and drags three boys with them and it's their fight to try to figure out what's going on in this world and because they were dragged away and forced into this adventure they do become very powerful or influential people and it's about their journey with that that author also goes a little uh, crazy at the end because he you can tell he dies before he finishes the book (laughs) so his last like two books before he dies kind of are a little crazy mm-hmm. and all over the place and uh <clears throat> then how I got introduced to brandon sanderson was he uh, wrote this really nice piece about robert and then robert's wife read it and was like and read some of brandon sanderson's work which was be misborn at the time and then um was like, oh, his writing style's a lot like Robert's. I want him to finish the book. So she called him up and he was like, I'd be honored to finish the last book because it was supposed to be one book. And she gave him all uh, his pa- his paperwork mm-hmm. and was like, here, read it, go through everything. And as he read it all, he was like, the- there's three books left. There's not one book. It's actually three books to tie all these pieces together. So the last three books of that series is written by Brandon Sanderson.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And I think um, I'm going out on a ledge because I haven't heard him talk about it, but I'm assuming him trying to write that person's style changed his newer work because you read Mistborn and it is it's a younger author's work. And you read his newer stuff now and it's kind of these big blockbuster things and they're big blockbuster because he has a lot of people that help with the editing process and he he even has a line person where they work on dialogue Hmm. to make sure the dialogue sounds good but uh, the style of writing changes a little bit because I know you've read Brandon Sanderson um, changes a little bit from Mistborn to Atlantis, which to, that uh,
0: one's my favorite mm-hmm. Atlantis
1: to the Steelheart series.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm not saying it mirrors um, or copies exactly, but it does have some influence.
0: Mm-hmm. And he only writes fantasy, right?
1: He does. He only does write fantasy.
0: Are you, it sounds like you're, um, book that you had been working on isn't fantasy
1: it is fan everything most everything i write is fantasy okay the only thing i would say is not fantasy or um like the because we do come from a very religious background are the prayers that i i tend to write
0: hmm. i didn't know you wrote prayers
1: i don't share them <laughs> oh
0: you just write prayers yeah oh that's nice
1: I think it's a good way to you know stay spiritual I guess
0: Mm -hmm. why not share them
1: no because (laughs) I just I don't want to
0: do you write I don't feel
1: comfortable enough
0: yeah do you write any poetry
1: I do write poetry too Mm -hmm. I don't share that either (laughs) because I think you know what I think it is? Um, I don't like sharing how I feel a lot. Like if I'm telling you how I feel, it's probably gone too far. So if I'm telling you I'm not in a good mood, I probably haven't been in a good mood for a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time it gets to that point, it's probably too late. Um, and <clears throat> poetry really kind of opens up and rips kind of someone apart a little bit you can kind of see into their soul and I think um, you know poems and prayers are that kind of soul exposure.
0: Mm-hmm. Eli our brother is a writer too. I find it nice which may might not be a good thing to say but I find it nice that I'm the only artist in the family so I don't Mm -hmm. have this feeling of competitiveness do you find that with Eli because Eli's also a writer how do you kind of balance that relationship
1: um well always we've fed off each other anyways Mm -hmm. so him being a writer helps me finish stuff. (laughs) So I need that competitive drive because there's a lot of times I'll start something and I won't finish it or it'll just kind of take a long time for me to finish because I'll work on it for a really hard or really long time and then I'll stop. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And then with COVID this year, And kind of going on a little tangent. Anyways, it helps me to answer your question. It definitely helps me finish things. Uh, But like with COVID, it's been such a weird, interesting year that I haven't written that much. Mm -hmm. I've done a little more editing, and I've tried to get to do things. But I feel I know the. It's hard to get in that mindset to actually complete something or stay focused you're home all the time there's nothing going on it was very nice to be able to go okay I come I can come home work for a couple hours go do this come back <clears throat> but being at home the whole time is just kind of your mind wanders and it's hard to get focused and it's hard to uh, make yourself do something productive because
0: mm-hmm. you're home all the time
1: you're home so all, all the time you're a little bit. Exactly. And then it, it kind of gets pushed back, and everyone's kind of all doing the same thing. And, you know, you tend to drink a little more and not exercise as much. Like everything that's productive that you've been building up for is kind of falling apart because you don't have other people to keep you in line.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you don't have people to, you know, I guess just keep you in line. I, I really think you, at least I do, I feed off of other people, i love to be around people and talk and do things like that. And then when I have exerted all that, I can come home and write. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times too, is um, writing comes from Same with art, you feel inspired by something. And that's from living and being at home is not really living, being Mm -hmm. stuck is not really living. I feel I feel like that's one thing we're all kind of going through with COVID right now is everyone feels stuck. They can't change anything. Things feel like they're falling apart, which is they're not because you're still at home. Everyone's you're still eating. Things are things aren't bad. You have internet. You have all the stuff that the, the, the world, the most the world doesn't have, but you feel lost almost. And I think that's why people are getting up in arms or fighting or rioting and things like that.
0: Yeah. They're looking for something to control. Mm -hmm. now I felt the same way creativity wise um even with the podcast it took me a long time to get it going again because I just felt not inspired not Mm -hmm. wanting to create anything and it's the perfect time to start working on a series because I'm home the whole time but yeah hard to get momentum and I'm still I've gotten a lot better and it helps when it's I have going
1: back to work you're leaving the house now
0: mm-hmm. so and and I have I think it's important to have people like you who are like hey you haven't made art in a while you're gonna make some art I'm like god ah, damn it yeah I'm gonna make some art so you need those people to push you and remind you that you got stuff you still gotta finish and do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: my big issue that I, I've got to start working on is i'll wake up and i'll uh, do my normal routine what would uh, a normal day would be um, i wake up an hour before i have to get out of the house and i'll cook breakfast have coffee and i'll eat and watch like an episode a 30-minute episode or 20-minute episode of something and then i gotta go so then i put everything away now i'm like "Ah, i don't really have any place to go so i'll watch like one or two and that's kind of like once you do that, then you are stuck and your kind of day's ruined.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Like the other, literally the other day I was gonna get up and go skiing. This is like yesterday or two days ago. It's gonna get up and go skiing. And and that's, this is the day I started writing again <laughs> a little <laughs> bit was I got up super early. I checked my emails and I was like, oh, I gotta send some emails. Um, and then I started sending emails and got literally all my work done. And I was like, oh, I'm not going anymore. It takes an hour and 30 minutes to drive over there. I'm just, and my, all my clothes are still dirty from going to Tahoe. <laughs> so I'm not gonna go skiing. I'm just going to get more stuff done. And I think waking up early allowed me to, at a certain point, like 12 o'clock hit, I was like, I'm basically done. I'm gonna start writing.
0: It's mm-hmm. a good time
1: to start writing. Then I did <laughs> the end.
0: Um, let's see. OK, one last question. Um, do you have a favorite artist? Or you said you like you're into modern art right now.
1: I am. Um, honestly, I think my two favorite artists would just be you and dad.
0: OK, other than me I and know. dad.
1: <laughs> because. The one thing I like about, especially the way, how you're doing art now with is always performance pieces. Um, I liked being involved Mm -hmm. and I like uh, being a part of it and having you kind of direct us what to do and what you're trying to accomplish and then being a part of that art piece. I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, you and I like performing anyways Mm -hmm. and your pieces don't have a lot of talking at all. And they're just interesting and weird to see.
0: <laughs> mhm. I think a lot of it has to do with miming. I'm not comfortable talking. Yeah. So none of my art pieces really can uh, incorporate voice, which I think is something I need to actually incorporate now because it makes me uncomfortable.
1: I think so too. I think that's, you, ha- you should always do something that makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm at least once a year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. It's good for your well-being to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. sometimes. One of my memories of you uh, was when we were in New York and we were going through the Guggenheim. um, And I don't even remember who was showing, but it was all these kind of wood pieces with nails Mm. in those pieces and I just remember you talking about how um, you enjoyed the show because you could really tell the kind of aggression of the artist nailing these nails into wood and how it related to the concept and I, I think that was a trigger for me to be like oh Samuel really enjoys talking about art and can get into kind of the concept behind an art piece. Um, that I don't think most people have.
1: <laughs> well, I like, to be honest, I really enjoy the symbolism of how, why people put things into their art. Mm-hmm. And I feel, especially when you're talking to a couple artists, some artists really don't like to talk about it, but they should because the general public doesn't know where the symbols come from or why you're putting that piece in um, at all. Like, <laughs> We, we've interviewed a couple and they they eventually do start talking about it, but um, without it, with an artist going like, oh, what does it mean to you? It's interesting for the artist to hear that, but I don't think it helps the, the viewer because mm-hmm. the viewer is appreciating the art piece, but they don't know why they're appreciating it. And the understanding of something, especially through like symbols or the why things were in there, then it really kind of opens up that art piece for you to appreciate it even more.
0: Because mm-hmm. it creates that story. Because
1: mm-hmm. we've been to enough, oh man, we, you and I've been to enough galleries and show openings and things like that to where I, you hear me ask people all the time, like, what does this piece mean? And they always say, well, what does it mean to you? Or they ignore you. Mm-hmm. They don't talk to you at all when you ask something like that. And I think it's you're missing out on the point because you're trying to become this well-known artist and you're letting people not know what your art is about because you're supposed to pull something from it yourself they are pulling something from it if they're curious that's them pulling something from it
0: Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of artists are uncomfortable talking about their own artwork so it's a (laughs) cop-out to say well what do you think it means i think an artist has to be able to talk about their work. You have to know why you're making art. And if you can't talk about it, you're not gonna, the story that you're sharing with people isn't gonna be there. I hate writing about my artwork. I'd much rather have a conversation about it with someone. But I think an artist, it's really important to be able to talk and write about their work with people because as an artist, then you learn why you're doing stuff too and i think half of the time artists don't know why they're doing it it's so subconscious when they're creating but they would gain so much knowledge if they if they themselves understood why they're making their artwork and i think a lot of artists don't
1: Mm -hmm. no no i i completely agree with you Mm -hmm. because just talking to them on the podcast and they go oh i didn't think of We've had two people tell us, oh, I didn't really think of that. But yeah, that, that's probably why I do this, for this mm-hmm. reason. Well, I think this might be your longest podcast. So. Probably. <laughs> <Sure enough. laughs> All right.
0: Well, if you guys want to check Samuel out, uh, he's on Instagram under Samuel Cooksey or Samuel Cooksey Samuel Project. P. Cooksey. Samuel P. Cooksey?
1: Yeah, it's Samuel P. Cooksey.
0: Samuel P. Cooksey. Um, and uh, Amazon, do you have a website?
1: I do, uh, samuelcooksey.com. Okay. If they want to go, um, it gets updated every three months. <laughs> so it's not updated <laughs> super fast, but it is always updated about every three months. Okay. And I, I circulate because I know no one ever goes to it, but I do put short stories that I write up on there for a little bit and then I take them down. I put okay. another short story. Well,
0: very cool. Yeah.
1: that anyone could read or edit and if you ever do read any of my work because i'm very dyslexic i put a lot of the raw raw stuff up there so if you ever do see something that's misspelled or doesn't make sense let me know because that's part of the editing process anyways i'm not trying to get you to edit it but i can't i don't have someone to sit on my shoulder and read and edit everything it's just kind of you know
0: you it's, don't have a line person yet?
1: Like... Don't have a line person, I'm not yeah. rich enough. One day. But yeah, there's uh different p- parts of uh my writing up on that. And it's only like three pages uh um, yeah. big.
0: <laughs> three pages big.
1: Three pages big, <laughs> big. yes. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, Samuel, for doing this episode, uh, uh, specifically for Evelyn, uh, who requested it. Um, Catch us uh, doing more episodes with more artists this year. Um, Every other week is when they'll be dropped. So uh, make sure you're checking out the Miss Art World Instagram page, Miss Art World podcast Instagram page and our website for any updates. And thank you.
1: Of course. Howdy.
0: You need a goodbye. Cowboy say goodbye.
1: Howdy, howdy, howdy.
0: Okay. All
1: right. Bye. Bye.